welcome. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. 800-529-5572 or 874-9390. Both those numbers get you into the studio. Speaking of into the studio, uh, I am pleased to tell you that Scott Van Kirk is uh, on board with us. Scott, welcome. How are you? I'm doing well, Gary. How are you, my friend? I'm glad to be here. You and I had an interesting conversation uh, last week with a guest. We're going to play that uh, from the national show. Uh, and I, I want to ask you a question, Scott. Can you tell me what this means? I'd to like be... to be on Gary's gun. <laughs> Can, do you know what that means? Well, I've got a couple of theories. Oh, I've, got a, I've, got a, I've got a recording of you saying it, too. Oh, now it's gotten silent. I, well, now, let me... Let me uh... Oh, great, great. So what you're saying is when I was pointing out what the individual in that recording had said... Who shall remain nameless, right? Who, who at this point, we're, we're not naming. You went ahead and recorded me. Is that what you're saying? Oh, you see how, how fun it is playing out of context. Out of context. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, all right, that's fine. That's fine, that's fine. You know, hey, as they as they say, go ahead and poke the bear. Go ahead and poke the bear. You're gonna say, okay, so I got a I got a funny I got a funny uh, little trailer guy thing that I can play from the belt guy, um, or you can go ahead and come after me. So all right, okay, well choose wisely. That's all I'm gonna say. What, what did you say, Brian? Brian interjected. I said, uh, isn't it, you see how fun it is taking stuff out of context? Oh, yeah. We I would like to exactly. try the gay lifestyle. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> True story. <laughs> oh. uh, all right. We are in so, so much trouble. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the other voice you hear, <laughs> the superbelt.com. Ellis, welcome. How are you? I'm doing great, sir. Good to have, good, good to be here with you. Glad to have you on board. <laughs> Oh, I'm going to play those quotes. You guys are going to cringe. I get to play Brian Hansen. <laughs> oh, all right. So, Scott, uh, we had this. Uh, uh, you're going to take a class, actually, somewhere here in uh, uh, southern Missouri. Where, whereabouts? Uh, it's down in the Bland, uh, Mount Sterling area of Missouri, which is uh, south east of Jefferson City is the best way I can explain it. You know, me not being native to the, to the, uh, to the state until I actually go somewhere. I can't tell you where it is. Uh, <laughs> but it's with uh, the company that is sponsoring it is Armed Missouri Incorporated, which is Chris Stoffner's uh, training company here in Missouri. And Chris is a good friend of mine. And he's bringing in John Murphy. That's who we interviewed from FPF Training. So we did an interview with John Murphy. Uh, and we will play this uh, right now. This is from the national show, uh, but it uh, it has implications for here in central Missouri as well. So, John Murphy, Scott Van Kirk, and me, I'm Gary on Guns. Hey, welcome to Gary on Guns. I'm your host, Gary Nolan, joined by Scott Van Kirk. And we have a special guest uh, this segment of the program. It's John Murphy. John did uh, 10 years in the Marine Corps, currently works for the Department of Defense, but he makes no claim to being a combat veteran. He considers himself very fortunate to have trained under some of the most respected firearms instructors in the country. And he's learned much more about shooting and self-defense outside the military than he ever did, he says, during his service. As an instructor, he has incorporated the best and most practical methods and techniques into his courses. I went to his website uh, to get some information. It's FPF 
fpftraining.com. fpftraining.com. John, welcome to the program. Glad to have you with us. I was looking through your website, and I noticed that one of the things you started, uh, uh, one of the most important things, it seems to me, that you that you teach is how to avoid using your gun. It's an underappreciated skill uh, for a variety of reasons. Uh, and first, uh, and thank, thank you very much for having me on the show, Gary and Scott. I, I was looking forward to this all week. And uh, I'll apologize again for the technical hiccup vis-a-vis the camera. Now, don't worry uh, about the thing. Don't worry about back, the back, back to your, to your, your point, uh, I, um, I am a self-defense instructor. And part of my consideration has to be that my students will be subjected to extreme legal scrutiny. Uh, so if they have a capacity to avoid pulling that pistol out, let alone going to work with it, well, that, that is something they need to be aware of and, and, and incorporate into their skill set. Uh, I'm not the guy that you come to to take three tenths of a second off your draw stroke. Uh, my big goal, my forte, my intent is to give people maybe five or six seconds of seeing it coming or a chance to be a bit more circumspect and realize that their monkey brain is involved in a conflict and they're doing little more than flinging poo back and forth with someone when in fact it's time to just you know, gain some separation, gain some perspective and, and leave. John, uh, my, my training for that sort of uh, uh, environment uh, came from my parents because I was in the, they were in the tavern business. I used to tend bar. And when somebody would come in, I would instantly, I would get a feeling and I was really, I was never wrong. Um, and I would work hard to diffuse a problem before it started because I didn't want it to turn into a, a fist fight. That's, you know, that's just bad for a bar. You don't want to be a punch palace. And those same skills I find apply uh, when I'm on the street. Uh, I try to avoid the conflict entirely, especially when I'm carrying a gun. Particularly, and, and uh, it's how to win friends and influence people. Uh, a few smiles, I'm sorry's, or pardon me's can go a long way toward building a social equity, uh, which can then translate into a legal equity. If, uh, uh, you know, some, some people, you just can't be reasonable. And also that's, that's kind of a, a conflict level situation as opposed to a criminal predation situation. Uh, I teach an entire spectrum, uh, pick and choose as the situation dictates. Uh, if it's a if it's a fender bender, well then some deconfliction, a little bit of humility, maybe perhaps even a little bit of deception to the effect of whoa 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 you, this you can be right and this can be my fault. Like let's get the cops here, all the while keeping that car hood between you and someone else, uh, all the way up to uh, how violence arrives criminally, and even even that sort of violence can have a lot of pre-incident indicators. That if, if you can see it coming, you can take what uh, the departed William April, April would call an off-ramp. And you can cross the street or wherever to gain that separation, to, to be deselected at that moment. On the other hand, if, if there's no, no other way around it, well then, that uh, the first, I call it the first best shot is crucial. Accuracy, speed delivered to a, a critical point on our adversary 
Scott? Uh, I can't. I couldn't agree more with everything that John's been saying, and um, echoes some of the folks that I've trained with as well. I uh, was lucky enough prior to his passing to uh, uh, to attend William's unthinkable course over in uh, Nebraska about three years ago, and um, as well as you talk about the de-escalation, I know um, because I'm lucky enough to actually be be going to one of your courses coming up this next month in April. Um, here in central Missouri, you also uh, teach a segment of managing unknowns, unknown contacts, uh, Craig Douglas's curriculum, if I'm not mistaken. Could you talk a little bit more about that? Absolutely. Uh, part of our daily lives, as we're about and about, out and about uh, on, on our street, which have you, uh, parking lots, whatever, uh, is managing unknown contacts. And this is this comes... Uh, very much reliant upon Craig Douglas's work on this. My genesis in this regard, though, came from John Farnham. Uh, he, he was actually the first formal instruction I had, having left after I left the Marine Corps, and it was a big mind leap for someone to to come be exposed to a, a potentiality of actually having to talk to someone rather than uh, locate, close with, and destroy uh, the classic Marine Corps mission. Uh, John called it talking to Goofy. And then uh, Craig layered upon upon that work with a, a term that he has coined, and it's very apt, managing unknown contacts. And our goals there are to maintain our boundary distance-wise uh, via body posturing, language, and uh, to, to achieve de-escalate, well, to, to maintain separation. Because with distance comes options. Among that option, those options could be like, I'm sorry, oh my God, there's been a car accident here. I'll, I'll use my phone all the way to get back, buddy. I got nothing for you. And it all points in between. Um, do you recommend uh, carrying mace or some other non-lethal repellent? I, I certainly do. Uh, and I, I have incorporated in the, in the class that Scott will be attending, uh, which is concealed carry, street encounter skills, and tactics. Uh, I incorporate a, a classroom discussion on pepper spray and then some practical application and then we will wend that pepper spray skill into the, into the scenarios over the remainder of the weekend. Uh, not every problem is a shooting problem. Uh, we, all, we all carry a, a hammer with us. And if we go around hammering screws while we're subjecting ourselves to legal scrutiny, and some, to borrow a phrase from Claude Wormer, Wormer rather, a profoundly negative outcome. So if I can have the ability to chemically alter someone's capacity to harm me from a distance, it makes a lot of sense. I'm a huge fan of the uh, Palm uh, Peace of Mind dispenser. John Hearn uh, refers to it as the J-frame of pepper spray dispensers. <laughs> the, the, for, the formulation is uh, sufficiently, well, it's good. Uh, I haven't taken a shot yet, as I have others, but uh, I have. I gave the taste test, and now we'll have to call it muy caliente. Uh, it, just, it, was, it burned really good. Uh, <laughs> and, that gives, and pepper spray gives us an option, rather rather than hands-on, uh, to uh, dissuade someone or reduce their capability to harm us. 
primarily via, via uh, involuntary eye closure, spasmodic coughing, or just facial pain because their face is on fire. So, well, I'll, and, and I'll be honest, John, I'm, I'm loving everything that I'm hearing. It's, it's real consistent with my thoughts on a multi-layered approach to personal protection. As uh, what Chuck Haggard says, although he credits, I think, somebody else with it, when we talk about the chemical irritants and the OC spray, uh, we need something between a harsh word and a gun. And a magazine dump. <laughs> and, 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 that, and that quote is, in fact, in my presentation. And you mentioned the course, Scott, Concealed Carry Street and Cover Skills and Tactics. It starts out with about a three-and-a-half-hour video series on YouTube. Uh, and that's uh, go to YouTube, FPF Training. I, I have a couple of uh, playlists there. And the, the one for Concealed Carry Street and Counter Skills and Tactics has a, a segment. I don't discuss pepper spray in the segment. I do talk about managing conflict while armed. All right. Well, hold on, because I want to get some information on where in Missouri and where in Virginia people can uh, get your courses. And we'll do that in just a couple of minutes. Uh, Scott Van Kirk is actually going to help us with uh, the courses here because he's taking one. Uh, I'm pleased to tell you that uh, uh, we've got tons of, to of topics here. Uh, Ellis knows how that works. Uh, Ellis Bennis uh, with uh, thesuperbelt.com on board with us. Actually, we do have a lot of things that we have to, a lot of ground we have to cover. So we'll do all that coming up on Gary on Guns. Hey, welcome. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. Bennis Ellis. Ellis Bennis, I'm sorry. Bennis <laughs> Ellis. Switch that right around. Ellis okay, Bennis Joe. Ellis. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I'm taking those uh, mind uh, uh, things that you make. I should sound like, like the President of the United States if I just keep taking these pills. Uh, anyway, thesuperbelt.com. Uh, coming up in about uh, 15 minutes, I believe, 10 minutes, uh, we're going to have... Uh, Ron Calzone come on the program to talk about the Second Amendment Preservation Act. Uh, we had him on the Friday show uh, because a lot of people had a lot of questions about it, but we really um, we really do need this legislation. So uh, hopefully uh, we can get uh, Ron on in about 10 minutes, 15 minutes max. And uh, that's going to be good. Uh, in the meantime, uh, this course that you're taking, Scott, uh, give listeners some information about that so they, they can, uh, you know, perhaps sign up and, and uh, take some of the courses. Well, um, you can go to uh, Armed Missouri Incorporated or Armed Missouri. You can Google that. You can go to their website. You can go to their Facebook page. You can go to the website and or Facebook page of John Murphy's company, which is F. FPF training, and that would be fpftraining.com, or again, you can just Google it. But I've that course is coming up um, two weeks from today, and it is a Saturday, it's a Sunday. It is a 20 hour course, and so that would be the 17th and the 18th. It's called Street, it's called Conceal Carry Street Encounter Skills and Tactics. And it's a little bit of a drive from here, but really not all that much. I don't consider it to be unreasonable. I'm actually going to drive down there, train, and drive, come back each night, so it's not a, that big of a deal. John has dropped the round count down for the actual live fire portion of the course because he understands that it's getting difficult to source ammo. And he has even said that he'll have some ammo available to sell um, the minimum that you need for the course to students at a reasonable price not a gouged price. Yeah, uh, it's kind of unique the way he does it because, uh, it, especially now, because ammunition is so hard to uh, to come by, uh, it's good to know that if you haven't got any, 
uh, you can you can buy some at a re reasonable cost to get you through the course. And I, and, I, I and I'll huh? and I'll tell the the listeners, Gary. Um, I would love to see you know some of our listeners to come down and take that course, register for it, and come down there. I'd love to be able to interact with them at the course. Um, if you know me, you know that I wouldn't be going to the course if it wasn't quality training. Um, I train, uh, you know, a handful of times a year with some of the national level guys and things like that. And I only go with the best that I'm able to source and still be within uh, traveling distance for me. And that's why I'm going to this course. There are a group of uh, people out there, March for Our Lives. They're, the anti, they're an anti-gun group. Um, and I've got some audio here because they explain and you get to, to really grasp the uh, amount of knowledge they have about what they're protesting. Uh, so I thought I would play this from uh, PragerU. What's an assault rifle? Um, a gun that can shoot. Aren't automatic weapons already banned in this country? No. <laughs> What's an automatic weapon that's not banned? I don't know a lot about guns. <laughs> You're protesting them. <laughs> yeah, you can't make... You just can't make this What's stuff What's an assault rifle? Whoop. You just can't make this stuff up. Um, it, it terrifies me that these people uh, are out there making an impact when they have no idea what they're talking about. How, Ellis, you're, you're a Second Amendment guy. You make a, a terrific belt that I can use for my, uh, on my gun, uh, my inside the waist, and I love the belt, thesuperbelt.com. How do you think they're the, this many people are so misled? Where does how do they how did that happen? It's emotion. We we were just talking before, uh, just Scott and I. We we're just talking mentioning the idea of that reactionary. You know, you, you get all you get all up in your blood. You get your your adrenaline dumping, and you know something sounds good to somebody, and that's that's really where it comes from. It's emotionalism. It's it's oh no, guns bad. You know, and they don't they don't have the knowledge. They don't have the training that we do. Most of these people don't grow up around firearms and people that use firearms safely. And so I, I really think that's just one of the best words, emotionalism. You know, it's just, oh, guns bad, this bad, ban this, ban that. All right. That's where I come from. All right. Ron Calzone coming up. Uno Momento, Second Amendment Preservation Act in Missouri, coming up on the Gary on Gun Show. Hey, welcome. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. 874-9390, the toll-free number is 800-529-5572. A bunch of guys sitting around talking about guns, the Second Amendment, self-protection, and having a lot, of, a lot of laughs along the way. And belts. And belts, that's right. <laughs> uh, Thesuperbelt.com. Ellis uh, is on board with us from the Superbelt. Uh, Scott Van Kirk is on board with us as well. We've talked about the Second Amendment Preservation Act. We're kind of all waiting for this thing to pass. It is a model that is uh, being looked at by other red states around the country, uh, in light of the fact that President Biden is looking at any way at all that he can to infringe on your Second Amendment rights. A lot of people have a lot of questions about the Second Amendment Preservation Act. And uh, a guy who's tied to it and who watches it very carefully, who's helped to uh, to guide it along, is Ron Calzone from uh, MoFirst.org. Uh, and he joins us to answer your questions. So if you have questions about the Second Amendment Preservation Act. If you have reservations about it, give us a call, 874-9390 or 800-529-5572. Scott, Ellis, and I will be asking him questions as well. Uh, but if we uh, we don't get them all, you might want to get in line and ask 
Ron, what's going on? Ron Calzone, welcome. How are you this morning? I'm great. How about you, Gary? I'm doing real well. I'm glad, glad to get you up at dark 30 in the morning on a Saturday so you can call in on the program. Um, Not a problem. All right, so my first question, and you guys, uh, you, you guys can just jump in whenever you've got a question. Um, where along the line is it in terms of getting passed? Well, there's two bills that one filed in the Senate, one filed in the House. You've got uh, Senate Bill 39 in the Senate and House Bill 85 in the House. House Bill 85 is the one that has progressed the furthest. That bill was one of the first four bills that passed the House of Representatives in 2021. So both bills got uh, first place hearing status. So they were the very first two bills that were heard in the General Laws Committee in both the House and the Senate. The House bill advanced fastest, furthest. And so right now, Senate Bill 39 is kind of, it passed the committee, but it's kind of in our, in our hip pocket. So we'll pull it out if we need it later. Um, House Bill 85 easily passed the House. I think it was like 109 votes in favor of it. So it was uh, practically a veto-proof majority. And, uh, and it's now uh, has had a hearing this last Tuesday in the Senate General Laws Committee. And it's expected to get a do-pass vote Tuesday out of that committee, at which time then it'll go before the full Senate, assuming the president pro tem of the Senate, Dave Schatz, gives it his blessing to move on to the next step. Once it goes on to the Senate calendar, then there's another gatekeeper. Uh, Senator Caleb Rowden is the majority floor leader, and he's going to have to decide to give it adequate time on the Senate floor to pass and and meet any objections like a, you know, the expected filibuster we'll see from the Democrats. And do you know if Caleb is predisposed to moving this thing along or, you know, any indication of where he stands? You know, actually, at this point in time, we don't. Um, the challenge is, is the bill has been a work in progress. So, um, you know, there you can go on the website for House Bill 85 and you'll see the bill as it was filed. And then you'll see another link that shows what the perfected version looks like. And there were, oh, some significant changes to the way the bill holds Missouri officials accountable. And, uh, but then there will be, in fact, right now there's being drafted um, a Senate committee substitute that will, sub that will substitute that bill. And uh, although it doesn't make significant changes in the way we hold public officials accountable. It does give them some more latitude. It does give la uh, law enforcement some more latitude to do their daily jobs. So oh. the question becomes, um, you know, you, you, it's, it's hard to get a commitment on a bill that is changing, you know, from, from somebody that's a gatekeeper. Of course, my opinion is you shouldn't have gatekeepers. You know, if the, if the body wants to debate a bill on the floor, it ought to go to the floor. And there shouldn't be any one man that, uh, that is a gatekeeper. But that's not the system we've got. We've got uh, systems in which you've got single people along the way that can hold bills up. And uh, so, no, we don't know yet where Caleb's going to be. He has voted for this in the past. Uh, Eleven of the Republican senators sitting in the Senate right now have supported SEPA in the past. Uh, if you remember, in 2013, we actually passed this bill. We put it on Governor Nixon's desk, and he vetoed it. The House overrode the veto, and then the Senate failed to override the veto by one vote when two Republicans changed sides. Mm. 
Yeah, that's that, that hurt. Um, <clears throat> Scott, questions? Any questions? Well, um, and I haven't been clo- following this super closely, but I have seen a couple of things that have popped up um, on Facebook. Uh, there's some controversy brewing currently with the Missouri Sheriff's Association. Is that true, yes. Ron? That is true. The uh, the Missouri Sheriff's Association has historically uh, been adverse to this bill. And, of course, the as an association, they'll say that we support the Second Amendment, but, uh, but and, and they'll even say we support the Second Amendment Preservation Act. But when you see uh, what they suggest we do to make the bill uh, acceptable to them, it's gutting the bill. I mean, it actually literally makes the bill of no use, no consequence whatsoever. Now, one thing I want to make abundantly clear, the Missouri Sheriff's Association is not representative of Missouri sheriffs, necessarily. Mm. There are going to be some sheriffs that side with the association, and some don't side with the association. So don't think that just because MSA is, has been an obstacle to this bill that your sheriff is an obstacle to the bill. It's like I've kind of found MSA to be a little bit like uh, the Missouri Chamber of Commerce. <laughs> uh, the Missouri Chamber, and of course, I understand that I advocate for the Second Amendment at the Capitol, but I, I generally advocate for constitutional government, free market principles, and things like that. And, uh, and so I've found the Missouri Chamber of Commerce not to be a great advocate of free market principles or even a good advocate for small business, whom they claim to represent. Uh, they really represent the hospitals and, and a couple other large industries more so than the average businessman, but you wouldn't think that. Uh, MSA, in my opinion, appears to be the same way. Not every sheriff is walking in concert with MSA. All right. uh, Ellis, questions? Uh, I just wanted There's. I saw a quote online that was from uh, Minority Floor Leader Crystal Quaid. She said, as gun violence continues to spread unchecked in Missouri. And I just, how does she even qualify that statement? She doesn't. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) That's just, I, I was just reading that in, in one of the articles here, and I'm just like, where, how, how do you, again, we come back to emotionalism. How do you even quantify that statement? Like, where, where, what even gives them the thought that they should make that? It just blows my mind, because it's just not true. All right, we so are talking. Not, and you can cherry pick a few stats in a few uh, small areas, and, and uh, maybe you'll see gun violence increasing. I don't know, but overall, it's down. Amen. If you just turn the radio on, we're talking uh, to Ron Calzone, MoFirst.org. And uh, we're talking about the Second Amendment Preservation Act. If you have questions about it, we've got the guy who has all the answers. Uh, and uh, we advise if you've got those questions, you call us, 874-9390. The toll-free number is 800-529-5572. I don't want to hog up all the time. Let me go get some callers on board. We'll start with Jim. Jim, welcome. Glad to have you on Gary on Guns. Thank you, Gary. Hey, I, I have a thought. Um, if we got our best uh, legislation passed through, uh, aren't we still subject to the uh, it, federal um, um, whatever, law enforcement people? In other words, my concern is this. Uh, let's say Missouri, South Carolina, and a number of states pass Second Amendment Preservation Acts, but they're, you know, they're 10, 12 states. What's to stop the federal government with a, a Biden administration focusing on those states with their uh, federal uh, enforcement and just, you know, they've got limited resources, but they could, you know, the other states may not have good Second Amendment 
preservation laws. And so they won't be having any trouble. Anyway, that's my thought. The uh, one quick other thing, I've heard that South Carolina is uh, working on legislation or may have passed it, uh, authorizing an irregular um, uh, militia. And uh, anyway. All right. Well, thank you, Jim. I'll let uh, Ron Calzone uh, respond to that in just a couple of minutes for some Important words from our sponsors on Gary on Guns Hot Talk, 93.9 The Eagle. Hey, welcome. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. Scott Van Kirk is on board. You know, Scott, you're on board here this morning uh, because you're representing uh, Modern Arms. At the Brown Station location. And we never mentioned that. So you've been on for almost an hour, and uh, you haven't promoted them at all. Um, but I do know this. I know that whenever... Uh, Larry sells a firearm, he always holds back a box of ammo, uh, because it's so hard to get, that he can sell to you. Correct. If you purchase a, for instance, a 9mm from Larry, um, the folks at Modern Arms at the Brown Station location will have a 50-round box of 9mm that you can purchase in addition to the firearm. And do they have 28-gauge? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if Larry has 28-gauge. Oh, I know where you can get some 28-gauge because I haven't <laughs> bought it all yet. All right, just just <laughs> checking. We're talking about, if you just turn the radio on, the Second Amendment Preservation Act with Ron Calzone from MoFirst.org. He knows this thing inside and out. He's been working on it. He's a Second Amendment supporter. Uh, and he also, I, I would really recommend you go to his webpage, um, because if you want to know what's going on in Jefferson City, that's the place to go. Ron, welcome back. Our our caller asked, you know, if if just a couple of states pass the Second Amendment Preservation Act or legislation like it, won't the feds just concentrate all of their people in those few states and make us just as vulnerable? Well, your caller is insightful, recognizing that the Second Amendment Preservation Act doesn't attempt to tell the feds what they can and what they can't do. Missouri doesn't have the jurisdiction to do that, uh, exactly. So, to be clear, the Second Amendment Preservation Act withholds resources by law from the state. So, essentially, the Second Amendment Preservation Act uses something called the anti-commandeering doctrine, which is gotten uh, the SCOTUS blessing at least five times in major court opinions. And it says it, it's actually prohibiting any state official from top to bottom from participating in the enforcement of any federal gun control law. And, and so the theory is that the feds can't do very much without state help. And I would maintain, even if they attempted to concentrate on Missouri, they couldn't en enact any wholesale gun control without the help of state officials. Uh, so back to sheriffs. Sheriffs uh, have the latitude to uh, inhibit federal action in their jurisdiction. And we have a number of sheriffs that have pledged to do that. And so we would have two actions in a situation like that. We would have the lack of cooperation from Missouri officials top to bottom, and then we would also have some public officials that would be actually standing in the way. Theoretically, if the ATF comes to a county, uh, they should be asking permission to operate in that county before they ever, ever do so. 
So that's that is uh, you know he's he's identified uh, a likelihood. In fact, I think you'll you'll expect to see uh, if there is a gun ban, whether or not a state has a SEPA, you'll see the feds trying to make some examples of people here and there. And and so if there is a let's say there's a scary black rifle ban, uh, I would not be going to a public range shooting my scary black rifle uh, even if we pass SEPA. That's not what SEPA is designed to do. SEPA is designed to thwart uh, wholesale gun control. Now, having said that, it's not the only solution. So as an example, Senator Mike Moon filed a bill that also had a hearing this week that uh, rescinds Missouri's blanket authority for federal, the federal government to buy land in the state of Missouri. So if you go to Article One, Section 8, Clause 17 of the U.S. Constitution, you'll see that it requires the federal government to get permission from state legislatures before they buy any real estate in the state. Well, Missouri, like most states, back in the 1930s, no, I'm sorry, actually it was earlier than that, I think it was 1909, uh, gave blanket statutory permission for the feds to buy real estate. We want to rescind that. So the point I'm trying to make is, is that if the feds come and they do things we don't want them to do in Missouri, then we say, we're not going to sell you any more land. There are ways the federal government needs the state of Missouri, just like there are ways the state of Missouri needs the federal government. We need to start withholding them. And SAPE is one tool, a significant tool, but one tool in the toolbox we can use to push back. All right, Ron Calzone with us, MoFirst.org. Let's grab a phone call or two. Let's start off with Hunter, who may have some uh, cogent comments to make about the Second Amendment Preservation Act. Hunter, welcome. Glad to have you on Gary on Guns. Yeah, glad to be on. Uh, I've went back and forth on the Second Amendment Preservation Act, but I finally landed on, I don't think that it's really that great of a bill. I mean, I don't think that the feds would need any help arresting me or violating an unconstitutional gun law from the state. And so it doesn't really matter who's arrested me and throwing me in prison for 15 years. Uh, doesn't matter to me. What I want to know is when can we expect a bill that exempts Missouri from all unconstitutional gun laws like the NFA? Uh, we already did that with marijuana, so I don't know why guns would be any different. I'll hang up and let you answer. Thanks. Uh, Ron? Well, that's a great question, and in fact, that's exactly what SEPA does. So he, he points out the the, uh, the marijuana issues. We're taught we can talk about uh, you know some marijuana sanctuary states. We can talk about immigration sanctuary cities. Well, what they have done in those states is is they've essentially used the anti-commandeering doctrine on those issues, and they've said we're not going to to use any local resources. To, um, to enforce these federal marijuana laws or these federal immigration laws, they've been very effective. And the Second Amendment Preservation Act does exactly what he wishes to be done. It says that constitutionally, there are no federal gun laws that are constitutional. And they will all be considered a nullity in the state of Missouri. None of them can be enforced by Missouri officials. Unless the gun laws in Missouri conflict uh, there is, it's just, that was just a silly argument that he was making. He's decided he's against it because it doesn't do everything he wants it to do. Uh, he's against it, uh, 
But but it does do exactly what he wants it to do. Well, he said he wanted to see all of them, and he wanted to see it modeled after the tools that the that the marijuana states have used, and that's exactly what it does. So we've learned a lesson, you know, over the years from, uh, you know, frankly, the left, and they have been using the anti-commandeering doctrine very effectively. So why not use it for the Second Amendment? Yeah, we it, it would have prevented the federal government, well, it would have prevented local law enforcement from confiscating bump stocks if it had been passed several years ago. Because it's not against the law to have bump stocks in Missouri. That's the kind of thing it was designed to protect us from. Ron Calzone, MoFirst.org, thank you for being with us. Always happy to. All right, glad to have you on Gary on Guns. Back with Scott Van Kirk and Ellis Bennis, whose Bennis Ellis is the superbelt.com. Gary on Guns.